the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And of course, I'm joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you again, Rebecca. How are things going? Oh, wonderful. We just keep launching into this year more and more. So it's just getting busier and busier. It's hard to catch up, isn't it? It is. It is. (laughs) But it's been a great beginning of the school year and a great fall so far. So it's been uh, just wonderful. Well, some of you uh, may have joined us a few weeks ago when we had uh, Renee Carlson on, and we were discussing the whole issue of the Minnesota Toolkit, which was to advance gender-neutral policies in classrooms across the state of Minnesota. And we have brought Renee back in to join us again, since we didn't really get a chance to finish that conversation. And so I want to once again introduce you, Renee, even though you're becoming a more common guest on our this show. Is fun. Yes, it is. What do you guys want to talk about next here. Friday? Exactly. <laughs> Saturday or whatever day this is. I can't yes. keep track. We're in school now. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, joining us, as I said, is Renee Carlson, and she's got a wide variety of legal experience. She began her career as an assistant county attorney in Minnesota, having served in both the civil and criminal divisions. Years following, Renee began her own practice to meet the legal needs of nonprofits and small businesses, as well as ministries, churches, and Christian schools. She's also a founding board member of the North Star Law and Policy Center in Minnesota, which is an alliance of Minnesota attorneys who work to transform law and policy in the state of Minnesota. She is also a Blackstone Legal Fellow and an, ally, an allied attorney. Attorney, I can never say that. Every time an I introduce attorney. you, I do that the same thing. <laughs> she is an allied attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, where she has served as a legal counsel on recent federal cases. Renee received her BA from UCLA and law degree from University of St. Thomas School of Law. Renee, thanks again for joining us here on Education Nation. I'm happy to be here. And as Thank we, you. Yeah, and as we get started here this evening as well, too, I'll just mention that we also really built up to this point by talking about these gender-neutral policies, mm-hmm. how they gain traction across the country, mm-hmm. um, certain uh, pieces of legalities that have been at work right now. I mean, right. such a crucial time in our country when you consider a new appointment that uh, is on the horizon in here to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, so you, you mm-hmm. wonder how a lot of these uh, pieces are going to fall into place once right. that uh, process is finished. But now that we're turning our attention uh, to the toolkit, mm-hmm. um, it also addresses the usage of pronouns. Mm-hmm. And teachers, they're recommended now to use the word scholars 
uh, when addressing students, not boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Would you please explain uh, to this as being an, an issue of compelled speech, more so on principle and as a legal point? Absolutely. I mean, on principle, that is that is the core of the issue here. The toolkit basically encourages people to check your free speech at the door by forcing students and teachers to use pronouns inconsistent with biological reality. Now, I know that this is a very sensitive topic because transgender activists will say that pronouns cut to the core of who you are. But this is much bigger than that. This is about protecting the rights of all students and even the rights of all people. So we need to remember that when we're talking about freedom of speech, and that's what we're talking about in this context, freedom of speech isn't just what you're able to say. It's It's also about what you don't have to say. And it's about the government not forcing you to say some things. So, you know, freedom of speech is also freedom not to speak. And that's something that's blatantly ignored in these policies. We live in a democracy with many freedoms. And if the government can compel someone to express agreement with something that violates a whole host of their protected rights, that's not just dangerous to the person whose rights are being violated. It's really a danger to everyone because it puts everybody's rights in jeopardy. So people shouldn't be forced to express a message that contradicts um, with their conscience or strips them um, of their First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing I want to add on that, too, is that, you know, you look at pronouns, okay, me, mm-hmm. she, he, we, you know, these are, termin- these, this is terminology that has been defined for generations, mm-hmm. okay? Miriam's thousands dictionary, of years. Thousands yeah. of years. Mm-hmm. And so now what happens is, is that there's going to be a great confusion that takes place mm-hmm. of saying, okay, well, the English language and the traditions of that, along with science and what science has proven... That basically is being tossed out the window all of mm-hmm. a sudden, and it just really creates a great confusion for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that the the difficulty in knowing which pronoun pronoun mm-hmm. is supposed to be right. used. You know, from a very practical standpoint, um, if a if a individual is identifying as a different gender than their biological gender. That may not always be obvious to people that don't know them very well or that may only know them casually. Um, And I know also that sometimes people who have uh, this idea that they are a different gender than what their birth gender was is that sometimes it changes back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a there's I think what do they say? Is there something like 50 some different genders? No, I I, I um, watched. with with respect to this issue, right? You know, I actually I watched something recently where there was a conversation that kind of turned into a debate between a transgender activist and someone who was trying to make the point or um, about about the concerns they had with these policies. And that person actually stated that there is an um, undefinable amount of genders because you actually can't put somebody in a box. And because you can't put somebody in a box, there is an infinite number of genders. Hmm. So it's hard to ask somebody to subscribe to a certain law and make them, you know, Mm -hmm. obey. I mean, Mm -hmm. if we were to say, yes, fine, we, we will use pronouns. But if you can't tell me right which one which you are, I'm supposed to use because you can't define how many there are, that becomes problematic. And then that's the type of logic mm-hmm. that becomes concerning. Yeah, and that becomes very confusing then in a classroom setting. If you can imagine being a teacher or another student or especially young kids, how are they supposed to keep track of that? You know, that's a, that's a lot of expectation placed on a teacher and other students. 
Well, there are lots of parents and grandparents that are, are listening tonight, and each one of us in this room, we're also parents. And as I read the toolkit, I, I find the section on working with families to be very concerning. And the toolkit specifically states, school is often the safest environment for transgender and gender nonconforming students. Some transgender and gender nonconforming students are abused by family members at home. When concerned about a student's well-being and safety at home, it is best to practice for school staff, such as social workers or counselors, to work directly with the student to develop a plan to ensure their safety. If school staff determines the student is not safe, the student's support team should follow their protocol for reporting child neglect or harm. Research shows that transgender and gender nonconforming students are at a high risk for self-harm. Renee, would you explain for our listeners in more detail what you find concerning in the working with families section of the, the toolkit? Well, certainly. I think the theme in that section really uh, shows that there's no hiding what the toolkit promotes here. They're actually taking away parental rights. And how are they doing that? They're violating a longstanding line of Supreme Court cases that say parents have a fundamental liberty interest in directing the education and upbringing of their children. And that includes educating on matters um, about sex and differences between sexes. And that also includes in what circumstances you want to expose your child to matters of sexuality. Do you feel comfortable with them undressing in front of someone of the opposite sex or even in the same room as someone of the opposite sex? And that's implicated here in the toolkit. Do you want your child to be sleeping in the same room as someone of the opposite sex? That is implicated in some of these policies in the toolkit. And yes, schools have the liberty to decide what their policies are going to be. But again, we have this guidance that's supporting these types of policies. Policies. And I think what's concerning is that some parents don't even know that this is the curriculum or this is the ideology that's being taught to their children in mm-hmm. school. They may not know that there's books that are being introduced as young as kindergarten and preschool that introduce students to the concepts of sexuality without the parents' permission. You know, many schools use curriculum, diversity curriculum that teaches students about matters of sexuality and transgenderism. So specifically, you know, going back and answer to your question, I think this language should signal to parents that we need to be holding schools accountable and we need to be holding school boards accountable to create policies that are consistent with the legal precedent that I just talked about, the longstanding line of cases that honor parents' fundamental liberty, interests, and rights in the upbringing of their children. And I personally would hope that individual schools would have developed policies that honor parents' constitutional rights, that honor children's constitutional rights, and that give parents the deference in matters of sexuality as it relates to their kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what I don't see in here really is, is room to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a plan for students aside from being shuffled to you know separate stalls or removed from hotel rooms. I don't see freedom to discuss these policies when the ideology behind them stands in opposition to the beliefs of so many people. Um, While many of those in disagreement have religious convictions, many of these people uh, simply do not embrace gender dysphoria. And and we touched uh, on this a little bit uh, last time. Mm -hmm. Um, When we consider objections based on conscience, whether traditional, secular, or even rooted in religious beliefs, one thing is commonplace. These objections appear to be stifled by the Safe and Supportive Schools Act, you know, under the guise of prohibiting bullying and harassment of all students, as the language seems to make clear in the act, those with fundamental disagreements, which are in the majority, seem to be the ones that are being bullied to conform to these guidelines, to essentially be dragged along to go along with disagreeable actions and speech, which 
is a clear, in my understanding, it's a clear violation of the First Amendment. Am I right in that assessment? Well, I, I like to remind people on, on this topic that under basic constitutional principles, we should be allowed to hold diverging views. We should be allowed to express right. those views mm-hmm. without penalty. That's, that's what America was built on. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we may not, we may disagree. I mean, even even between the three of us in this room, we may not agree on everything, but we still should respect one another's differences. And that's imperative in, a, in the functioning of a diverse society and a diverse state like Minnesota. And it's not discriminatory to have respectful and peaceful conversations on matters which we disagree. But again, people shouldn't be penalized or even deemed discriminatory if they don't subscribe to a certain perspective. And that is what's happening here. People that don't agree with the toolkit are being um, are being called discriminatory. And, you know, in some instances, schools that don't subscribe to these transgender policies are being sued. So um, particularly, you you raise an issue of conscience. And in that regard, um, religious convictions are certainly protected, not only constitutionally, but even under our Minnesota Constitution. And as Rebecca, you said, it's a, it's a mark of free society. Mm-hmm. So if we want to speak specifically even in terms of religious convictions, we need to keep in mind that a violation of a person's constitutional right and their their ability to honor their religious convictions affects many different people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think that, well, I'm not religious, so that doesn't have any effect on me. But in fact, it does. It affects everybody, even if you don't believe in religion at all. If we want to have freedom ourselves, we have to extend that to everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And that was recently affirmed even in the Supreme Court cases that we talked about a while ago when we, t- we, you know, we talked about Masterpiece and the NIFLA case. And you know, thankfully, we can keep in mind in our state specifically when it comes to this matter that um, the Minnesota Constitution has pretty significant protections for people of conscience. And we can't forget that. We need to make sure that the schools know that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you're listening to Education Nation on AM The Patriot, uh, AM 1280. And we're enjoying our conversation here with Renee Carlson, an attorney who is helping us discover more about the Minnesota Toolkit and what it means for our state's schools. So what would you say to parents then, Renee, who are hearing this information for the first time? What recommendations would you give to these families? Well, I'm sure families feel overwhelmed sometimes when they're they're just listening or just hearing about this. And even though this is all over the media, I'm pretty surprised that a lot of people don't know this is happening right under their nose. Mm-hmm. So I just I first like to remind people, don't underestimate the value of speaking common sense and truth into these policies. That's what we need to be doing. But we need to be doing it, as I said before, with kindness and leading conversations with respectful dialogue. Now, who are we supposed to talk to in these matters practically? Well, first of all, go to your teachers. Ask your teachers what's going on in the classroom because they will know what books they're reading and what curriculum is being taught. Certainly go to the administration and go to the school board. The school board's actually where a lot of these policies are discussed. A lot of them are implemented. A lot of them are voted on. So school board members have significant positions and significant influence on these policies. Uh, You could also make legal requests to your district about the curriculum being taught specific to transgender policies, you can make legal requests based on even a specific book. If you're looking for a book, um, one used is called I Am Jazz or My Princess Boy, you can make a request for that book. And I think I had mentioned that on a previous show before. And there's certainly a lot of organizations and attorneys who can help uh, parents and students navigate these things and help Um, assist if parents have questions about how to go about doing that specifically. Mm -hmm. We also have the Minnesota opt-out law. We have one of the strongest opt-out laws in the country where you can actually remove your student 
from a school curriculum that you feel is inconsistent with your beliefs or something that you don't feel comfortable having your student in the classroom with. But to that point, I think we need to back up. The opt-out should be our last resort. We want to be making sure that schools are promoting policies and are teaching things that that we feel are in the best interests of all students. Mm-hmm. And again, this transgender toolkit doesn't advise schools to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we like to talk about on this show is what we all agree on. And we really can all agree that every student deserves the opportunity to pursue a quality education free from discrimination and harassment. Mm-hmm. And But that applies to all students. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to keep that in mind, that we're trying to protect all students. And it's good to know in terms of who to contact, whether schools or boards. And even though we have been covering this topic over the course of several shows, it seems like there's so much more we can discuss on this matter and so much to keep up with and learn, like any emerging cultural matter, I suppose. Well, to that, what would you suggest, Renee, to people who want to know more but are intimidated about talking because they don't feel like they know they are not familiar with this issue. I mean, as this matter emerges and grows rapidly, people cannot keep up with the facts. Mm -hmm. The historical understanding of human creation has always been two sexes, male and female. Now we have this infinite number of gender identities. And I know you've been working on this matter for quite some time. You educate through presentations and other means. Can you give us some more perspective in this regard? How can people take this all in without being overwhelmed, yet gain in the knowledge that they need to speak on these issues? Overall, this goes to the heart of what we discussed earlier. Culture plays a significant part in um, in these issues and in, in all of these matters. And we certainly can't underestimate our role and our participation. And certainly our voices matter. I mean, if we don't say anything, then we're going to lack a balanced voice on these policies that advocate for all students. But, you know, being involved in these regularly, these issues, I know that the legal landscape is constantly changing, as specifically with, re- with respect to transgender policies. And we can't forget that even the courts themselves are seeing these issues for the first time. So it's completely understandable, Mark, that mm-hmm. some parents may be confused or feel really intimidated about speaking up to their school boards in any capacity. Sure. But, you know, it's still a good idea to be educated on these matters. And, you know, these conversations might even happen between friends and neighbors, and we want to represent well. We want to be able to be respectful with this dialogue. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is educating people on how they can confidently speak about these issues and be respectful at the same time. So what I try to do in these presentations is really boil down the legalese so we can all participate in this dialogue and promote policies that respect the rights of all students. And I try to keep the presentation short. I know that, you know, the attention span for constitutional (laughs) issues may be a a little bit shorter than other matters. But basically, I want to explain to people, look, here's what the legal rights at stake. And then here's why we should be asserting what our rights actually are and how we can then use those conversations to create better policies that represent the best interests of all students. And actually, I've, I've come alongside um, a couple of other organizations as well um, in the context of churches and schools who are also faced with these pressures. So I just kind of try to give, you know, an, an overview of what's going on. And I've also um, started to recently work with Ask Me First Minnesota. Now, your listeners might be interested to know that Ask Me First Minnesota has also come out with a significantly helpful resource on these gender identity policies, helping parents and 
grandparents, anybody, quite honestly, who's interested in this to really understand what's going on. So I've teamed up with them in a joint educational effort to do some presentations. But Ask Me First also has what they have um, titled the Parent Resource Guide. Mm -hmm. And that's actually available in print as well as um, the ability to download off of Mm -hmm. the Internet. So, again, if you go to askmefirstminnesota.org, you can get that resource. I'm sure your listeners are saying, tell me more. What is this? Absolutely. (laughs) I wasn't a drafter in this, but I did obtain a copy. And I can say that. Ask Me First has done a really good job synthesizing this difficult information. And within it, they explain the consequences of these gender identity policies. And they also explain um, some of the clarifying and confusing terminology, like you talked about, helping people not be intimidated in, in talking about these issues that have so many concepts and rapidly changing ideas. But what's interesting about this um, resource is that it was written from a secular perspective. So it actually is helpful for anybody of any worldview. And what it also does is it also clarifies some misunderstanding, particularly in our state with respect to the laws that are stated in other resources that parents may have on this matter. It gives accurate um, legal facts as well. So hopefully your readers would find, your readers, your listeners would find that reading these resources will be helpful. And they can get that again at askmefirstminnesota.org. That's A-S-K-M-E-F-I-R-S-T-M-N.org. And that's the parent resource guide. And really, Mark, just want to end with saying that we need to keep the dialogue going, but we need to keep it respectful. And there are options that work for all students, respectful options that that work to uphold the rights of everybody. That's right. And it's really good to know there are resources out there on these matters Mm -hmm. to all of us. And as you said earlier, if you want freedom ourselves, we have to extend it to others. It's providing a listening environment for both sides of the issue. I think what's also important, too, as a country, we've really lost sight, too, of how American government is supposed to work. You know, our Constitution says we're a constitutional republic in accordance with Article 4, Section 4. And basically, that means characteristics of a republic include an attitude toward law in which the administration of justice is in accord with fixed principles and established evidence with a strict regard to consequences. And also, a republic avoids the dangerous extreme of either tyranny or mobocracy, and it results in statesmanship, liberty, reason, justice, contentment, and progress. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that goes through my mind, and I don't know if you know the answer to this question, Renee, is do you know, you know, based upon the Minnesota toolkit that was established by the Minnesota Department of Education, are all of the school districts across the state following that guidance? Or do you have any idea? I'm just kind of curious, because if I were a parent listening or a grandparent, I would wonder, well, are they using this toolkit at my child's school? And I'd want to know. And I suppose you can just maybe ask the district. But, I mean, do you have any idea? Is this widespread across all districts in Minnesota? Was it a, was it a regulation that the Minnesota Department of Ed? It's not, it's not a regulation. It's, so. it's, it's rec- just a yep, recommendation, It's recommended right? guidance. Yeah. But, again, when you have a book that – actually, the, the previous drafts were quite lengthy. Now I think it's about 12 pages. But when you have something like that is that's referring to specific statutes, that's re- referring to specific laws, and then you're passing it out, I think as an administrator, you feel a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm. feel like, well, this is what the Department of Education is telling me. It must be right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure for schools to implement these policies Mm -hmm. and to essentially ignore the rights and to even violate the rights Mm -hmm. of lots of students. Out of fear for violating the rights of the others, right? Right. I mean, really, or getting into trouble with the Department of Ed. 
and Mm -hmm. getting getting into some legal trouble. But the Mm -hmm. thing that districts can be aware of is that you know these transgender policies actually put a lot of liability on schools. When you are going to create policies that actually violate a student's rights, you are incurring some form of liability mm-hmm. by promoting a policy that does that. And the, mm-hmm. the toolkit doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, as far as how many districts are, I think there's, there's various pockets and it probably depends on where you are in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. There are schools that are very aggressive with some of these transgender policies. And there are schools that that are not. You mm-hmm. know, we've talked to some schools that don't even know the names of books mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. res- that teach about transgender mm-hmm. um, and sec- transgenderism and sexuality. Okay. And then there are other schools that are on the forefront and actually leading the charge with respect to these transgender policies mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not isolated to even one specific spot in Minnesota. An example mm-hmm. of that is the case that we had a couple of years ago here in Minnesota. Um, it didn't end up going forward because the um, new administration's guidance guidance was implemented. Mm-hmm. The previous was rescinded, so that case was eventually dismissed, and things were kind of resolved at the school. My point is, is that that was a case that happened, you know, in the in outstate Minnesota, hmm. quite, Interesting. quite a really? distance from the okay. cities. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say, oh, it's just in the city or it's in mm-hmm. this pocket. Sure. It's it's all over. And again, that's why it's important for parents to be informed and to, to ask, to ask mm-hmm. and to know about the issues. And, and if they get the parent resource guide, they will have a better idea of knowing what to ask. And mm-hmm. if they want to hear more about it through presentations, they'll, they'll know what to ask. But mm-hmm. you have to start with a first step and then you'll know. Mm-hmm. And some parents are quite surprised to, to find that this is what's in their children's classroom. This is what's in their children's library. They absolutely had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, for our listeners who didn't have a chance to write down that website, again, mm-hmm. if you could just go ahead and tell us again where they could go to order this guide. Yeah, yeah. it's at askmefirstmn.org. That's askmefirstmn.org. That's all one word. Mm-hmm. Spell it out here. dot <laughs> org. I feel a lot of pressure. I have a headmaster <laughs> staring at me. Yes. I hope I know how to spell. <laughs> no. Oh, you're funny. Well, we are just um, happy that you've been able to come in these last, uh, well, I think we've done three shows three with you shows on total, this topic yes. now. Oh, wow. And it's, had a good time. It is an, it's a really important topic. And I do think it's one that it's sensitive. People don't want to talk about it. And I it understand really that is. because mm-hmm. nobody wants to um, you know, hurt another person's feelings. You know, yes. everybody wants to respect one another. And I, I don't want to hurt anybody's so, feelings. I mean, right. I'm talking about these, yeah. but that's the last yeah. thing I want to do. Yeah. yeah. But and yet, so I can resonate with that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we need to be quiet. Right. And it's important that we aren't quiet about that type, that topic, just because this is something that the whole culture needs to weigh in on and come to a decision about. Because really, as you've pointed out earlier, this isn't just limited to Minnesota. This is a nationwide right. conversation. And so we need to have all sides of the issue kind of coming together and talking and hopefully coming up with something that that works for everyone that respects everyone's mm-hmm. uh, privacy rights absolutely we really need to be encouraging that for schools in our state and let's set an example mm-hmm. for policies that protect the rights of all students yes. in minnesota absolutely well thank you again for joining us renee and we thank our listeners thank for joining for us again yes. yes and we thank hope you. Hope our uh, listeners will join us again next week on Education Nation on AM 1280 The Patriot, 6 p.m. Saturday night. And if you want to listen to our podcasts, we have all of our uh, historical shows uh, on our website, which is ednationmn.org. 
org, ednationmn.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Ed Nation. Uh, radio, Ed Nation Radio. And the Facebook page is Education Nation Radio. Oh, thank you for yes. correcting me. You're not going to find it at Ed Nation then. Education Nation Radio is the Facebook, right. and I believe that might be the Twitter as well. Yes. So yes, uh, you can find us, and we hope you do, and we hope you join us again next week, Saturday night, 6 p.m., Education Nation. Have a good weekend. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.